I'm honored and excited to announce that I want to know has their first sponsors. First, Dr. James McIntyre and his team at Adjust Your Health in North Calgary. When I met Dr. James almost 20 years ago, I was taking a bucket load of Advil every week just to get through my day, like 16 to 20 a day. Not to mention the alcohol and other substances I would take at night so that I could sleep. I suffered from chronic back pain due to car accidents, sports injuries, and repetitive motion damage from being uh, in the drywall industry. I worked in the trades for nearly 20 years, had more than 10 car accidents, three very serious ones, and some severe sports-related injuries. Most of the chiros I saw could only give me temporary relief. I was, uh, it was getting expensive and very depressing to know that I would see some of these chiros and only get temporary relief, but wake up the next morning in pain. I was lucky that the last chiro I saw said she couldn't help me and directed me to Dr. James McIntyre. After only a few visits, I felt tremendously better. Most of my pain had left, my mobility was coming back, and I didn't need as much Advil. If I remember right, it was only a few months, and I was almost completely off the pills. Life was getting better. I've known Dr. James and his crew for almost 18 years. I've referred almost everyone I know to him, and they have become Adjust Your Health advocates. The team at Adjust Your Health offers a wide array of services, including acupuncture, massage therapy, chiropractic, and physiotherapy. They believe in a multidisciplinary approach to patient care and use a variety of techniques to help the patient achieve their goals, from pain relief or injury resolution to improving sports performance. Calgary is very privileged to have such a highly qualified team of practitioners available to accommodate your health and well-being needs. If you are in pain or an athlete or just want to be as healthy as possible, check them out at www.com. A-Y-H-Calgary.com. Our next sponsor is Paul Nye, an amazing artist out of Verdre, Alberta. I've admired his artwork for years. He's been mostly doing airbrush work to customize motorbikes, cars, boats, hard hats, and signs. The work is stunning to see. You can get all your custom work done with Paul at Reaper Creations at 3700 McCool Street, Crossfield, Alberta, just a half hour north of Calgary. That's not all. I don't want to take the light away from his airbrushing, but his tattoos are out of this world. His ability to bring tattoos to life with shading and color will astound you. The skill set he has as an airbrush artist transferred seamlessly to tattooing. You can get your next tattoo with Paul at Shellshock Tattoo and Piercings at 920 36th Street, Northeast Calgary. We have featured some of his art on our YouTube video, and we have had him on the podcast. Paul is second to none as an artist and a person. You can also check out his art at Nice Tats or Nice Touch on Facebook and Instagram. And now, on with the show. I want No. Podcast. With Chad Ferguson. Hey everybody, this is Chad and I Want to Know Podcast, a kick-ask podcast. I'm over-pronunciating because my producer gave me crap earlier. Today we're here <laughs> with Jody Teb. You were on, like, I think you were our very first guest on the show. Wow, it's great to be back. Yeah, yeah. You're, uh, you're a local blogger. Um, you have starpastors.com. You can go uh, listen to the blog there all the time and all about self-awareness and self-growth. And it's been almost a year since we've seen you. So what have you been up to? Well, I still write a blog every single day. How many um, years now? Uh, so I started 
three, almost three and a half years ago now. And I just keep writing every day because there's just so much to talk about. There always is. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. We we recently met somebody that is the media organizer for uh, WestJet. And uh, so we're we're working on getting the podcast on on WestJet as as part of their you know in flight entertainment kind of thing. Oh, what um, a great idea! But he's like, "Can you shorten your podcast?" I'm like, "I don't think I can." Like, <laughs> it's it, it it takes a little bit to get a good conversation going, but and once you get going, you don't want to stop. It's so true. Yeah, I was I went to Oprah uh, when she was in town a few weeks ago. Oh, I didn't even and know she came. Yeah. Oh, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> um, she. I was sat there and awe she had uh, Gary Zukoff on just come as a special guest and he's the guy who wrote The Seat of the Soul but as I'm sitting there watching her she like literally dives into these like really in-depth really cool conversations and I'm like I would like that skill that's very cool yeah I think it takes a long time to to develop that skill of conversation I would think so I did sales for a couple years and you try to boil it into like 15 minutes right you don't mm-hmm. want to overwhelm them you, you know you watch their eyes glaze over <laughs> as you're telling them all the technical day you're like oh no that's not the right thing to say <laughs> yeah. um, but you want to build that relationship quickly and you do that through conversation yeah and, um, yeah it's a skill you you got to learn to do it practice it do it every day if sit in front of a computer all day it's not going to happen yeah it's true yeah. so true yep so yeah um whatever um you were running classes last time or uh, groups last time about right. uh, uh, self-awareness and self-growth. Yeah, so I have that. I have one group that has carried th- th- on with me for, gosh, we're a year and a half now. And um, we've had some really cool moments in that group. We've done some really cool exercises on um, just diving into empathy and uh, figuring out, you know, what it's like in another person's shoes. And uh, just recently we've been working on what your money story tells you about mm. you. What's like a money a, story? Well, that's it's a term that I call um, your money story. And it's I think there's a lot um, that you can learn from sort of where your money flows mm-hmm. and um, what you can learn about yourself and, and maybe even tap into a little bit of what the marketers are doing. But for for instance, for me, it was... I. I learned about my money story as I was um, doing some marketing and I was sitting there one day uh, in the Starbucks drive through and thinking about my marketing and um, some of my marketing people that I've learned from, they talk about Starbucks a lot because really, honestly, how do you charge $5 for a coffee (laughs) and get away with it? Great job. Right. And so they talk about um, what kind of person would drink Starbucks as opposed to in my mind, I'm sitting there. Why am I at Starbucks instead of Tim Hortons? Okay. Well, I think I want this fancy drink at Starbucks, but Mm -hmm. really, is it worth so much more? And then what kind of person, what does the cup, somebody walking around with a Starbucks cup, what does that say about that person? And and what is that person trying to say about themselves by holding the Starbucks cup as opposed to holding the (laughs) Tim Hortons cup? That's really deep over coffee. (laughs) Right? Um, But it was was pretty blatant for me. I also did it over hot dogs, actually. Oh, okay. Which was, yeah, I I mean, seriously diving deep over everyday (laughs) things. But it it matters, right? You're sitting there and I'm, I'm sitting there holding two packets of wieners and I'm like okay this one's the all beef wiener and this one is the what whatever wiener and uh I'm gonna choose the all beef wiener why am I choosing the all beef wiener well not that I think hot dogs are necessarily all that great (laughs) for you in the first place but in my mind I was making it okay by getting the all beef wiener because I've heard about all the stories about that go into other types of wieners and and so I want to be the type of person that buys the you know, the, the better choice. Yes, yeah. Right. And so anyways, we've been working on that in the group. Um, they've been posting stories about 
things that they've bought before. And there's there's been some kind of um, neat insights in there. And then there's also been other moments where it's like, yeah, so I bought a tractor. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, anyway, so it's it, that's been an, in- this has been an interesting month as we've been doing money stories this month. But um, some months we just, um, we just meet and they talk about kind of what they've learned in their life and, yeah. and what new lessons and what lessons life is teaching them right now. And they learn from each other, sharing their stories. And other months... Um, we'll do like that was the empathy and the money story was like a project. We have a Facebook group and they're in there posting sort of, they each pick a day of the week and they yeah. post their little version, which is pretty cool because they're connecting all month long. And then at the beginning of the year, we did a whole, um, I created like a little workbook for them to sort of figure out what their goals were for the year and what yeah. they learned last year and what worked for them last year and what didn't. And, and so we just kind of hold each other accountable to those kind of things too. So we meet again next week and we'll be, this is six months in now. So now we're going to see where we're at with our goals that we set. That's what we're doing this Very month. So cool. It just is actually. reevaluating where you're at. Yeah, totally. I love the money story. So I had a horrible relationship with money growing up. And I think people don't understand that it's a real relationship that you have with yeah. money, right? Mm-hmm. And growing up, I always thought it was mine. It's mine, 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 right? Mm-hmm. The government is taking my money. The bill collector is taking my money. And it was years of doing that. And I felt like, well, it was, I didn't feel. It was. I was diminishing in worth uh, for the whole time because I wasn't using my money properly. My money was using me. It had complete control over top of me. You know, it was, you know, go buy the big truck because you have to have the big truck. Or go buy the brand new trailer, which I didn't need. And all mm-hmm. those horrible decisions that almost drove us into bankruptcy. And then when I started realizing this isn't mine, it's a gift. Even though I'm working, the work is a gift. The money is a gift. Everything is a gift. I need to be grateful for it and I need to um, uh, pay back, like to give out of that. And so we started doing that, of course, through churches, one of the places where we tithe. But we also just, my wife out of the blue would go like, I think we need to give this family 300 bucks. I'm like, Mm. okay, let's just go give it 300 bucks or let's go buy them groceries or let's what. And so we just started doing that as a family and um, it was very random and I didn't find that as nearly as beneficial as when we actually planned. So we did... uh, there was a few transitions over the last couple of years with us and our finances and learning what it means to give and how it changes our, our mm-hmm. lives and our hearts and our finances. And we had massive growth after we started giving, but we still weren't as regular as possible. And then I did the Dave Ramsey financial freedom course. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. Mm-hmm. He's a Christian guy. Runs a great course, but he's like, tell your money where to go. Don't wait to see what bill comes up next. Pre-plan for a month in advance with your giving. Number one, just pick how much money you're giving away. Give that away. Pick the charity. Pick the organization. Pick the family, whatever, and give that. Mm -hmm. And then do your savings and then pay your bills. Um, And then you get to really delve into that. And we went, oh, well, we got a lot more money than we even thought we had. Funny, hey? You know, it's shocking when you grow up with these... um, I don't know what to call them. Like the the all the bad traits, all the lies that your your parents and your family told you, yep. and you just thought that was the way is done. Yeah. And why would you think anything else? Because right. the people you love did it that way. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was a good realization for us over the last five years, and it's been tremendous uh, as far as how our finances have changed and raises at work and bonuses and gifts and it, uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. Yeah. I think the the financial story is a great story everyone should tell. It is. It's, there's so much there, right? It tells, it's such a, it can be such a personal thing that it tells you so much about who you are and, and where you're at. Right. Like it's, it's huge. And I don't think it should be personal. That's a thing. Like we should be open about this and tell people 
where our money's going and how much we're making. And yes. But we've been told the whole time that it's personal. Like, no, this is mine. You shouldn't tell people. And that's what holds other people back. If, yes. you know, I'm not saying go on, you know, and tell us your finances, like everything you make and how you spend it. But telling your family and your friends and your coworkers, like, oh, this is probably not a good idea. This is what I did. You know, now we own a used trailer instead of a brand new Jayco. So mm-hmm. brand new Jayco is paying 250 bucks a month for the rest of your life. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then I bought that for 4500 bucks. had to do a little work. It's beautiful. Family loves it. I think that transparency actually always pays off. Transparency, I've... vulnerability, all of that, I think that <clears throat> brings you huge rewards always. Yeah. And I'm, I'm fairly transparent yeah. about money myself all the time because it's... To me, it's a tool. It's not, I have no shame. I have no money shame. No, you I shouldn't. have, yeah, no, yeah. it's just, this is what it is. And, and there was times that um, I didn't have lots of money and I felt a lot of shame over the fact that I couldn't pay the bills, but it was the choices I was making, just like you said, <laughs> right? And so you feel a lot of shame over that. But then when you figure out, okay, I'm not a bad person, I no. just have to make different choices. Yeah. And uh, then you start to learn how your choices with money, which is where we're at right, with my group is um, showing you your values in, yeah. in life. And that's, that's kind of neat too, actually. <clears throat> that's a big part of the Dave Ramsey thing is like, what are you spending your money on? And what are you mm-hmm. placing value on? If you're going to spend five bucks or four bucks a day every day at Starbucks, is, is that the best thing? Cause like in five days you can buy a coffee maker and in five more days you can buy all the material to make coffee for a month. Right. Right. So it's, it's, and I get it. I love Starbucks. I go there twice a week. Maybe I get yeah. my, um, do I get? Uh, shoot, <laughs> I can't even think of the name of it. Dark yeah. roast, uh, yeah. a dark roast with room for cream, and yeah. then I do my uh, sugar-free sugar in it. And yeah, yeah, yeah I, I, I'm guilty of it, but we really dialed back all that kind of stuff. You become a good cook, so you don't have to pay for. For good sure, food, right? right? Yeah. And I actually, after I dug into my money story on Starbucks versus Tim Hortons, I quit buying it altogether, all of it. Oh, I wow. just quit because I was like, I. I, I actually don't actually really know why I'm doing this. <laughs> and <laughs> right. then once I, I'm like, okay, well, the Starbucks cup is a bit of a status symbol. You see it in movies and you see the girls, you know, with the fancy hair and the fancy makeup and they're carrying their Starbucks. And then you see all the other people, they're kind of carrying it around the same way. And lots of people will hide. It's interesting because lots of people will hide behind the fact that, you know, their drinks taste better or they're buying it for the taste. But, yeah. and, and maybe in some cases they are, but, but honestly, it's five bucks. Right. What do you, like, that's a lot. So yeah. I feel like there's more to it. You're, you're buying an emotion along with it. Oh, for sure. And yeah. that's they do a really good job of selling that. So great, right? Um, a friend of mine in uh, Kelowna, her sister-in-law worked for Kraft. And they knew the average height of the shoppers in every town across Canada. So they knew where to put uh, yeah. the stuff on the shelf. Because if you're, you know, in Vancouver and say the average height there is five foot four, well, you're going to put it at a different place where you're in Airdrie and the average height is six foot one. That's fascinating. Marketing is fascinating to me. I love it. It is to me. One the of my, my favorite stories in, um, I think it was the Wayne, Glemen, Wayne Clemens group we, uh, we did. It was a sales and marketing program mm. we did through Napa. Um, and he's done, he's got an amazing story. I'm hoping to get him on the podcast one day. Mm. He literally was a junkie on the streets of Vancouver and, uh, coming out of a three day stupor or whatever he was in, he had the word of God that you were going to sell, um, programs to major corporations across Canada. And two years later, he was teaching sales to all the Napa representatives across Canada. That's incredible. From a junkie on the street to two years later, selling a two and a half million dollar package. Wow. This was back in the probably mid nineties. So yeah, amazing, amazing story. I don't remember why I brought him up. Marketing. 
Oh, marketing. Yeah. He was telling us all these stories about like Tabasco doubled their sales by just making the hole bigger in the bottle. Oh. <laughs> you know, McDonald's um, saved $4 million one year or something like that by taking one pickle out of the cheeseburgers. Like just crazy stuff like that. It's just a different thought process when you go into business, yep, right? Totally it is. Yeah. I was... Um, I was listening to, I want to say, The Road Less Stupid, um, which is a business book. And actually, I've, it's a fascinating business book. And I'm pretty sure it was in there that uh, he was talking about McDonald's. And he was talking about people, they always think they have to have the best product in order to sell it. Yeah. And then he said, but if if you believe that story, you really need to think about how McDonald's made all their money. Yeah. And I'm like, that is so... They sold junk. Right? To it's billions. Like, not even food. <laughs> I know. It's 100%. <laughs> but they... We were talking about this right before the podcast. It's all about consistency, right? Yes. If you do something consistently, um, eventually everyone just starts glomming onto it. Because there's just nothing. I mean, there's science at McDonald's to to get you to buy. So, yep. you know, the, the Dorito effect, uh, they've hit all the markers for salt and sugar and, and fat that your body thinks it needs. And so that's why they get you. Um, but essentially, yeah, you don't have to have the best. No, you, you have don't. to sell it better than everyone yeah, else. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Which to me is fascinating. I That's incredible <clears throat> to me. Yeah. I don't know if I should tell this story. Anyways, <laughs> I will. I got a buddy from Vancouver. We literally, uh, his name is Phil Wild. I'm sure he's not listening, but he's got a face like a burnt rubber boot. Like <laughs> He is maybe one of the homeliest guys I've ever met in my entire <laughs> life, but he is also one of the most amazing guys. He would pick up the most beautiful girls by just, if he could get them to pay attention to him for two minutes, they would be hooked on him. Like he could have sold ice to an Eskimo. Like it, it was crazy how good he was at talking because he didn't have the face to pick up girls. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's good marketing. Yeah. <laughs> Wayne Clemens talked about that too. He was like this 45, 46 year old guy when I met him. Of course, he he looked like a uh, an ex junkie. Like his face was all full of par- pock marks. He had lots of scar tissue on his face, and mm-hmm. just you know years of living on the streets and doing drugs. And he had everybody in the room just glued to him. We went. For, uh, one of the things I learned when I was younger: if you you are really impressed with someone, you should take them for dinner and have a conversation because you can gain so much. And look here, you are here. I am. <laughs> I never, yeah, this uh, this worked out really well. Yeah. <laughs> but I took him out for dinner, and uh, we had these like eighteen, nineteen, twenty-one year old waitresses coming over to the table, and like not even our waitress. All the waitresses around our area were coming over to talk to him. Wow. And I was just like, this is so impressive. Like, how do I learn to do what you do? And so, you know, he told me 7,000 th- things I should be doing, and I picked two or three. And, <laughs> and is it story t- is he storytelling? Is that what he's doing? Yeah, he's, he's a very, very good storyteller. Um, he's very attentive. And so when someone talks, he is, like, laser-focused on them. Right. And that, that, I think, was the number one thing I learned is that to – you have to be a good storyteller, but you also have to listen so that listen, your stories yeah. fit and, and uh, everything else. And it helped me tremendously in sales. I almost doubled my sales that year in Napa. Oh, and then I went back into the trades and I started, when I started doing sales for Beyond Foam, where I'm at now, um, I started digging into those old notes and like, oh, what am I not doing right? And just slowly got the growth out of it again. Oh, wow. Yeah. He's a genius. I think. Go look him up. That's a free shout out for Wayne Clemens Group. All right. Yeah. I will check him out. <laughs> He's living in Mexico now he's got a Mexican wife and uh, a second family and is doing very well for himself good on him 
Yeah. yeah I thought so too. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this this whole marketing and sales thing, it's um it's impressive because it's another way of controlling the population, right? It is. Yeah. yeah. Or at least getting getting gather, gathering their attention, right? There's so much in our world right now and everybody is like so inundated with <clears throat> stuff. And so if you've got a good thing going, how do you let how do how do people find you? How do you let them know? How do you right. interrupt them enough so that you can if you're genuinely out to serve and help, yeah. how do you how do you do that, right? That was what started what started me down that path is how do you stop people in these busy lives? How does someone stop me? What who's talking to me and how come I'm listening to them and <laughs> right. and all of that, right? Cuz everybody's talking to us these days. Yeah. Yeah. I um so my wife is a holistic nutritionist and we work really hard on the stuff we well not so much lately. I had ice cream right before you got here. <laughs> I totally had ice cream this weekend too and I never eat ice cream. Oh, <laughs> May long like weekend <laughs> and uh yeah, it was a horrible horrible weekend for a diet. But um, the other thing that I did about probably about a year ago is whatever I feed in my mind. And so I think about all the stuff that I'm hearing, all the stuff that I'm yes. seeing, that's all going into my head. I have to be very careful what I, is going in there, just like I'm really careful with what goes in my body, other than to yeah. <laughs> last couple of days. Um, because this is staying with me forever. If I fill it full of Absolutely. six o'clock news and all the junk they're trying to sell you on there, so... I never watch regular TV anymore. Nope, me either. I'm super careful about what I put in. And as a matter of fact, the more I have been, honestly, for the large majority of my adult life, quite careful about it. But I am really careful about it now because I don't want it coming out in my blogs or in my writing or I don't want to be spreading the poison or anything, right? So the more I've paid attention to that and the more I've paid attention to what's coming out of me, uh, the more I'm, I'm very attuned to what goes into me. And it's interesting because... Um, you definitely change and you get used to a certain level of um, information, I guess, like higher level stuff. So you're not like diving in, talking about people or um, yeah. bad conversations or just bad things to be in. And uh, I have I my tolerance for it, not not even consciously. I'm like, I just, I, I do not want any part of it. Yeah. It's like yeah. your brain goes, no, 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 sorry, yeah, can't exactly. have that. Don't that smells like poison. We don't want it. Totally. Yeah. yeah. Which is really rewarding actually. It, it really is. Yeah. Like uh, my parents are so hooked on uh, the local news uh, mm-hmm. or not even local news, just news in general, mm-hmm. CTV, whatever the news sources are. And they're mad all the time. <laughs> well, you would be. Yeah, because they just think they're getting ripped off and, yes. and all they're doing is getting sold on a bunch of crud that doesn't, you know, doesn't make any sense. Oh, yes. Justin Trudeau is ruling the, ruining the world. I don't think he's ruining it. <laughs> I don't think he talks very well sometimes. <laughs> I think he can be a bit of a goober, but you know what? He's he's done some great things for Canada already. You know, what he's done with the cannabis is going to uh, change our finances dramatically in mm-hmm. Canada, change our tourism dramatically in Canada, and I think it's going to change medicine. They're going to figure out some stuff, whether good or bad. Now they can test. They can go, oh, yeah, definitely. These type of people should never touch it. These type of people are actually going to get a benefit out of it. So, yeah, I, I think he's done a, a very, very cool thing for Canada with that. Well, to do something kind of kind of off the grid and off the norm like that, yeah. there's going to be big changes, right? Yeah, yeah. So for sure, you can't help it. Good and bad. They'll be yeah. both. Yeah. I wonder if uh, he'll get voted back in again. That will be interesting. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't imagine Canada going down that path again, but... When he first ran, I never thought that he would get in either, but I he know. is great at selling himself. Yes, he is. He went, snuck around the back door and knocked in and talking and, and, and he got himself voted. He probably got more people out to vote than we've ever had in Canada, I think. Yeah. Well, I think social media is playing a huge part of that too. Yeah. 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 As you see everybody jumping on the bandwagons now, right? Because they're... 
they have the peer pressure all over social media from everybody, just not the people you're talking to anymore. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and uh, yeah, he figured it out before other Canadian politicians yes. did, right? He he really um, uh, nailed it on the head. So yeah, I'm not, I, I'm impressed with some of the stuff he's done. And then other times you're like, nah. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> I don't think we need him here spending any more money over the next four years. <laughs> I'm not voting for him. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. The um, So back to this group, it's the money thing. And before that was, uh, you were talking about empathy. Yes. I <clears> love <throat> that subject. It is, to me, it is a relationship game changer, mm-hmm. um, really deep empathy. And it's hard work. Like, it's constant. I it, That my... my um, journey with empathy has been kind of interesting because when I was young and arrogant and whatever, I've always been super sensitive. And so I pick up whatever other people are feeling and, and, um, I could, I could get anxiety just by being a, by a person that had anxiety and not actually know why I had anxiety. Mm. So I thought that made me an automatic empath. Um, and I guess it, I guess it does make me an empath, but it didn't mean that I knew how to do empathy. Um, it's hard work. Empathy is hard work. Like actually (laughs) trying to see the world from another person's worldview and through their lens and get yeah. away, get out of your own, that's not easy. And yeah. so it's, um, it never gets easier. Actually, I've been working on that hard for probably three years and it doesn't get easier. I was going to say, <laughs> I, I, I imagine this has to be a lifelong thing. Like yes. it probably takes you a good 10, 15 years even to get somewhat good at it. Yeah. Um, but then people change. Right. And then how do you figure yes. them out? Like, you're not going to act this way for the next 20 years. Exactly. I hope you don't. No. You're going to be someone exactly. different in yes. five years. And yeah. Yeah. We, we implemented it at work, actually. Oh, um, good. So we did, uh, I don't know if you've heard of Humble, Hungry, and Smart. I have not. Um, it's a book about, um, the story's really cool, actually. So it was a, a young guy who got offered his uncle's business. His uncle's health wasn't good. Um, this guy was in IT, and his uncle was in construction doing, like, building high rises and bridges and stuff like that. And the uh, uncle says, I really want you to take this over. My son doesn't want it. Um, I have no one else in line. Can you come and, and, and run this? And he was really close with his uncle. And as he got into the position to take over, his uncle got really sick and just stepped out of the picture. And then they got two massive projects that they had to um, um, get people to do. So the problem was that he goes, okay, we have to double our staff now in the next three months. How do we double our staff? And they're like, well, okay, we we have 150 people. We need 300. So we're going to have to um, hire 200 people. And he's like, what do you mean? We need 150. They're like, well, we get this many people leaving. And he's like, well, why are they leaving? And so the story ended up going on. They figured out how his uncle was and the people that were like him were the people that stayed and worked hard for the company. And so you have to be humble, hungry, and smart. That's what his uncle was. And so they developed this really, really cool story. And then they developed all these interview questions and um, tests that you can give your staff or people you're trying to hire. So we've implemented the whole thing at work now. And like four months, six months ago, maybe, and... Excuse me. And we've seen a dramatic change in our staff as a whole just from doing the test. We're not even implementing anything else. We're just like doing the test like, oh, this is who you are. And they're all like, oh, I don't need to be that person. I need to be this person. And and so at uh, staff reviews, I do the test again, but we do it verbally. So, you know, I'll read the question and the questions are always like, um, what would staff members say about you? Um, uh, Are you empathetic are you um quick to give compliments are you quick to apologize are you quick to admit you're wrong um there's all these i think there's um 
what is there, five, 15, 15 or 16 questions on there, and then they get a, a rating out of that. But a big part of it, the humble part of it, is about empathy. And so my guys come to me and say, oh, you know what, I, I can't get so-and-so to do their job. You know, this number one's a leader in the truck, and number two's not listening. I'm like, Can he, they always want me to do something about it. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, no, no. You have to find out why he's not listening to you. You have to have a discussion with him. You have to mm-hmm. be an adult here and be a real leader. And uh, so we talk about empathy all the time. I'm like, tell me your definition. And they'll tell me. I'm like, oh, I don't know what it is. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. It's do you hard. know when your wife is sad? You you see it, you feel it, and they're like, yeah, yeah. I'm like, that's what empathy is. You're paying attention to how you need to do that to everybody you meet. Yes. Oh my goodness, it's so big. It is. It's so big, and it's it's life changing. It's relationship changing. Yeah. Yeah. It's huge. I don't think people understand. Like we're all one. I think. Mm, I agree. Yep. Fully. If we're if we're ignoring somebody in that group, then you're taking away something from yourself. Absolutely. You know, it's like being. uh, would you say uh, very open? You're like you're transparent with everything. Mm-hmm. Um, you're getting something for from being transparent, right? Mm-hmm. And you're giving something by being transparent, right? Yeah. Yes, we actually talked a lot talk a lot about in our group about um, triggers and mirrors, and so it's a little bit um, it's funny because I I pound this into the group. We never stop. So they'll be talking about because we're talking about things that are happening in our lives and what we're learning from them. But we don't. I don't allow blame ever mm. in my circle of people. So in my class, of course, we're not going to allow blame. And so, quite often, if you're judging someone or if you're blaming someone, they're bringing up something in you that you're not aware of necessarily. Right. And that's sort of that we call that the mirror. And so they're mirroring back to you. Um, and quite often, it goes the other way too. So if you have somebody high on a pedestal, they're also mirroring something in you that you're not seeing in yourself. So okay. either way, those really strong kind of emotions about somebody else are just trying to tell you something that about you. Yeah. And so we've had quite a few, um, it's, we have, it's, it's, I mean, it's hard work, but it's, it's a little bit fun when we get into these kinds of things because they'll be mad at someone. Like somebody will be mad at someone and I'll be like, it's actually not about them. That's about you. (laughs) They're trying to show you something about yourself, which is not the empathy side of things, but it's the other side of things, the the self-awareness and the, and the deep dive in. And so. Um, if you're judging someone for being a certain way, quite often you have that same tendency in yourself and you're not seeing it. And that's where those strong judging feelings are coming from, which isn't always... What happens when you have kids? (laughs) Whatever you get mad at your kid at... That, that's what's wrong with you. And that brings up the Brene Brown, you only can love someone as much as you love yourself. Yeah. So you can get really angry with your kids because of some shortfall that you're seeing in them that also you know is in you, but you don't want right. them to have. <laughs> exactly. And so you're overdoing it with them. And yeah. So yeah. all of that kind of stuff, It's I find that all super interesting to dive into, right? And the more you learn about yourself that way, the more you can let go and the better human you are. Oh, absolutely. By far, yeah. yeah. It, um, I'm trying to remember the book. I think it was... Um, John Eldridge, Wild at Heart. Uh, it's a Christian book about um, uh, just letting go of the past, forgiving people, mm. especially your dad. For men, this is all about yes. men. So yep. especially your dad, forgive those things, and then try not to do that. It, it was, it was uh, well, it's funny, because there was like 50 guys in the room doing this course together, and they get to this one part where you had to talk about the thing that your dad did to hurt you the most. Oh, no. 50 guys all sitting around crying their eyes out about <laughs> what's going on. And I'm there going, this is ridiculous. I'm an adult. Why am I crying about this now? Yes. But you don't realize how deep those hurts really go. Yeah. And then you pass that on. You, Absolutely you do what do. your dad does unless you go, hang on, I don't want to do that anymore. That's right. And then 
or you get a moment where you're like, oh, I understand why my dad did that now. Yeah. And that also can have the same effect, right? When you're yeah. a dad and you're like, oh, I actually, he actually cared about me. He was doing that because he cared about me. He didn't have the skills or whatever the case, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Um, it's amazing when you forgive and you, uh, our pastor talks about untwisting yourself, finding that thing, because mm. we all do it. We all have these patterns of things that we do. And when we're done doing them, we hate it. Like absolutely. yelling at somebody or, you know, ignoring somebody. You talk about not blaming. That's It's mm-hmm. our rules in, um, we do, no power plays, no walkaways, and no blame. That's that's just the rule. You don't get to ignore me. I don't get to ignore you. I don't get to be the big guy in the relationship and um, you know try to overpower you or even mm-hmm. you know that passive aggressive. Well, I'm not going to talk to you mm-hmm. or I'm not, right. That we don't do that stuff. We don't yeah. do it at work. We don't do it at home. We're all done, and it's amazing. It's big changes. Yes, yeah. and hard. hard it stuff. is hard. Yes. I implemented it at work. And so before every meeting, I tell them, no power plays, no walkaways. Like, you be attentive in this meeting. And you don't get to yell and scream and freak out. We're all going to talk just like normal human beings. And no blame. I don't care who created the problem. We're not blaming that person. It's us against the problem. Yes. So just tell us what the problem is. Yeah. And does that go well? <laughs> uh, it took, I would say, a good three four maybe five months for people like they now have to think because if they blame somebody i chew them out i'm like no 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 no. you don't get to do that you go stand outside and we're going to talk about problems you don't get to be part of it or you know we we there's some kind of consequence so now they want to get out they want to be part of that group but they can't blame anybody so they Mm -hmm. have to figure out how to do that and you can see them like does anyone else have something to want to add to the meeting and you they all look at the ground like I do. How the hell do I say this? <laughs> right. Yeah, because they're feeling the blame, right? Lots yeah, yeah. of times they're feeling it and trying to sort out how what the real problem is when you're feeling the blame. That's really hard work. It is. Yeah. The other thing I found doing that is the guy causing the problem will stand up now. Oh, and so right. you can say, well, I had a problem, uh, um, you know, on this job, you know, this thing went on. I didn't know how to handle it. And the guy goes, yeah, that was me. I'm so sorry. I shouldn't have done that. Um, that won't happen again. This isn't a real problem. It was just a bad day. And you're like, Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing, especially yes. for a bunch of young guys. Yeah, no so, kidding. Yeah, yeah, I think the um, what I got from Wild at Heart, uh, John Eldridge, and um, uh, what was the other? Oh, Jordan Peterson uh, and Cam Praxis. The uh, what? Okay. All right. <laughs> He's freaking out about something. <laughs> I've been able to implement at work and make big changes for all these young men uh, and women that work for us. And right. So, yeah, it's it's amazing. Just relationship skills, right? That's all it is. That's yep. all it is, trying to figure out what people want and how they communicate. And and have, let, let them feel seen because yeah. everybody needs to feel seen and everybody wants to belong. And if you can incorporate all those things, it creates such a great environment. Yeah. yeah. One of the things that um, we used to have everybody in a staff meeting and you go, oh, does anyone have any problems? And mm. there was nothing. Of and course. I went... I can't put the leaders and the helpers into the same room and ask them if they have problems. And so I found that now that I've separated the groups, mm-hmm. we have a stronger team. Oh, interesting. I can take all my leads and say, okay, what's going on this week? And I, you know, I implement a bunch of stuff. We're making changes. We would already do cultural stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I ask them what their problems are. And then whatever their problems were, I take it into the helper meeting. And I don't say the sprayers are mad at you because I just say, this is an issue that we're seeing in the field. We need this change. How can we get this done? Someone stands up, goes, oh, that was me. Or, you know, this is what's going on. So we figure it out and it's done. And now all of a sudden my teams aren't fighting. They're arguing. They're not nothing. fantastic. I always thought you had to do things as a large group, like to be a team. 
It turns out that I don't think that's true. The status roles were probably starting to play a bit of a issue there. Hey, you think? I think that it was people are more open in their peer group. Right. So when it's a bunch of leaders, they're all talking about leader stuff right. and they don't want to make people feel bad and helpers don't want to get bagged on. So they're yeah. not going to rat anybody out. And yep. so I separate them out. They're in their peer group. They have their little, you know, me too party, you know, yeah. like, yeah, it's really rough being a helper. No, yeah, it is. It sucks. You yeah. got to work hard not to be a helper anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, I found separating them was uh, um, massively uh, beneficial to us. And then I've now, implemented uh, six-month personal um, reviews. So we just sit down and talk for 15, 20 minutes. I write it all down. Sorry that's that. all good. I thought it was me. No. Like, oh, that's really impressional. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're allowed to. You're a guest. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was it was super beneficial. And all of a sudden, these guys are coming in. And like, my relationship with my wife is getting better. Mm. That's good to know. <laughs> <laughs> no <laughs> you know? kidding. Because you have people with problems. That's that's all you do as a manager is you just deal with people so problems. So true. Yeah. yeah. So true. What great insights for you. That's awesome. It's been amazing. Well, it's this. It's the podcast. It's the books I'm reading. It's yeah. the people that I'm bringing to my life is not putting junk in my head anymore yes. like the, I'm pointing to the TV so no one that <laughs> 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 I, I you know I pick what goes into my head if I want entertainment I pick an entertainment that is beneficial like mm-hmm. Avengers or 300 <laughs> exactly what's yeah. that quote great minds discuss ideas average minds discuss events and small minds discuss people right yeah right. yeah that's yeah. Um, it was a president's wife uh, first lady um, Eleanor Roosevelt, Roosevelt. Yeah, yeah. yeah 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 See, you don't put the junk in there and you right. can start remembering exactly. stuff. <laughs> so you guys did uh, money story and you get yes. empathy. Yeah. And where are you guys going next? Well, we're going to take the summer off and then pick up again um, in the fall. I think we'll have to finish out. Um, I think on a self-awareness journey, there's moments where people are able to dive deep and ready for the work. And you sort of come to a space where it's like, okay, I'm done learning for a minute. I just need to assimilate what I've learned. And so we've been going at it now for about a year and a half. And I'm not oh, sure. Wow. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's not a little too long. I mean, they're, they've been my only group. And so they want to keep going because they enjoy the... We call it a self-awareness support group and they enjoy the support and a place to share and a place to learn from each other. I think they enjoy that. But the learning part, um, that's hard. That's a lot of work for a year and a half. And sometimes you just need a break. So we're going to take a break for the summer and then in the fall, we'll see if we're going to keep going or just maybe just cool it for the rest of the year while they sort of assimilate all of the things into their life that we've that we've worked on. Are you looking at building up leaders in that group so they can go out and do this somewhere else? Or is this group like a lifelong? I don't know. I, uh, interesting because when I started this group, um, it wasn't meant to just go on month after month for a year and a half. They just want to keep going all the time, which is great. I'm happy to do that because they've been great for me to experiment with, you know, how to, how to teach what I want to teach and how to help people. And at our year, when we did our January lesson, which was what was working for us last year. Why do I keep doing that? Um, there was a couple of them that had said that that was one of their favorite parts of last year was our group because they had really bonded and learned a lot. And boy, some of the changes in the people in my group, it's been, it's so cool to see somebody really take leaps and bounds. And we have several, well, everybody in the group has taken leaps and bounds just in, in, uh, you know, coming out of their shell or sorting out who they are or um, like we have some that are married and some that are divorced and some that are single and like it's a, it's a whole group, but but they're all totally finding themselves. 
Are they seeing so other weird. benefits of it, like promotions, raises, you know, better relate, obviously better relationships, or you know, the single ones finding their significant other, that kind of thing? Um, so that's interesting, actually. I would say um, most of them are self-employed. Okay. So I have. I'm just trying to think. I have two. There's there's eight of us. Well, yeah. eight of them, and then me. And I think only two of them have jobs. And um, the one that one of those two was self-employed and just went back to work for someone else. So um, has it affected their careers that way? Sort of. I mean, the self-employed ones are sort of finding their way and taking action and doing more things, showing up that way. Um, Another one of the ladies that is, uh, she works... Um, for someone, she's really starting to speak up and I see her taking more, um, personal risk that way, which she was not doing before. So, um, that's been really neat. Even in the group, she's speaking up a lot more, which is pretty cool. And, uh, but I focus so much more, it's sort of, they're each on their own journey, right? And so if that's not an important part of their journey, then that's not, um, moving up in work or whatever that hasn't been. Um, and I would say that's definitely not the focus of them. They're not young people, they're older people and they, they're, they're doing okay that way, right? And, uh, so that hasn't, I wouldn't say that's been a big focus of our group, but there has been a lot of, um, you know, showing up, taking personal risks, being more vulnerable, sorting out who you are, sorting out what you want, figuring out what your values are, not self-sabotaging, that kind of stuff. There's been tremendous growth for them that way. So what kind of homework is there? Is this written homework, journaling? Is it... I try to mix it up. So um, I don't think anybody wants to do a lot of homework. So um, like this month while we're doing our money stories, the only homework is to post about one of your purchases that you've made. Everybody takes one day a week. And on your day of the week, you have to post your purchase. And then... um, I have one, one of my people, I, I did a challenge one month and she didn't like the challenge and she didn't participate. She's like, if this was a game, I would be participating, but I'm not doing the challenge. So I'm like, What's okay. What's the difference between a challenge and a game? I, I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> she didn't like being challenged. She wanted to conquer, I suppose. So anyways, this month I called it, I called it the money story game. And so as many insights as they could find out about the purchase that they'd made, if they could figure something out about themselves and they got points for that. And the person with the most points is going to win. Cool. Yeah. What did they win? I, I don't know. I don't okay. know yet. <laughs> <laughs> I've been working. So I, I make them chocolates every time. So I make oh, cool. um, just vegan, uh, sh- I don't know. I make them with maple syrup and cacao butter and cacao powder. So mm, they're. Sounds good. Yeah. So yeah. they're good. And uh, so I was thinking maybe I'd make somebody an extra big chocolate. Or there you go. Just, I don't know, something. That's cool. Yeah. Sometimes so what are the kind of homework me. stuff that you guys right. done? So, um, Sometimes I give them worksheets to work on and they bring it back and then we share within the worksheets the next time. Sometimes it's just posting in the Facebook group. That's all they have to do. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's, um, what else have we done? So there was one exercise we did one time. If you were all on a boat, like a big boat, and the boat was sinking and they didn't have enough lifeboats for all of the people, then what would? how would you make sure you got a, a spot on that lifeboat mm. so how what what would be your argument or how would you fight for that or what would you do to make sure you got that spot on the lifeboat which was so they just had the month to think about that that was yeah. what they had to figure out and then come and present that to us at the next meeting yeah. um so that was that was actually kind of a cool one because they you really had to dig into am i important 
am I more important than? Why am I important? What value do I bring to the world? You know, those kind of things. They really had to dig into that. That was a fun one. Um, Another one we did was to write our own obituaries. So that was actually a really... That's a little bit creepy. (laughs) (laughs) It was actually really interesting because it makes you focus on your legacy and Mm -hmm. what you're contributing to the world at this point and what you think people will think about you, right? Yeah. So um, then the night of the class, we only had uh, three people show up. I think it was minus 40 or one of those terrible winter (laughs) nights. And only three of us showed up and then we read each other's obituaries. Yeah. Um, So it ended up being more like eulogies, but it actually turned into one of, um, for the people that were there, that was one of their favorite exercises that we had done the whole way through because it was it was quite hard to write it about yourself but really cool to hear somebody else reading what you had written about yourself yeah so that was actually really yeah yeah, so I think we don't do that enough right think about our value thinking about what we're doing again it boils down to evaluating everything in your life every day all the time why aren't you evaluating your thoughts why aren't you evaluating your feelings why aren't you evaluating your family like all of it has to be done all the time to to get any kind of growth right and your feelings are such a guidance and we spend so much time running from them right so I'm really or I have been really and I don't have to do this so much with my group anymore because they they know now but to me it's like dig into that like that is full on that can you can learn so much about yourself just by digging into why you're feeling the way you're feeling right so we do a lot of that yeah yeah that's cool you guys you should run this is funny because i i tell your story all the time about uh, last time you were on the podcast you and mark talking about how marriage is bad and i was trying to (laughs) defend marriage and um the stuff you're saying is what would make a good marriage it was you know that if both people were doing that if you had that in a course you could you know take the 20 year olds and say this is what you gotta do to have a good marriage you gotta be empathetic. You got to evaluate every day your money, your finances, your your spirit, your emotion, your your physical health. It's so true. Yeah, actually, I I think that um, I've been I have a I've I've made a good friend recently okay. who um, she's uh, she's a therapeutic nutritionist, but doing it for animals. And um, she also has an MBA. So she's super interested in business, but also super interested in this like holistic type life for everybody. Um, So we've connected really quite well and quite easily. And uh, she's really encouraging me to build some sort of a course or something. And and that was her thought too, was she's not married either. She's my age, not married. Um, But it was It needs to be, you need to give people permission to be themselves and find themselves in their relationships or to leave relationships that aren't working or to do better jobs of relationships. And I, I, as much as I um, still, I'm not entirely sure why we get married and what marriage is for. (laughs) I mean, I'm not sure I've totally figured that out yet. I know a lot of these skills are big relationship skills that will really help marriages for sure. Oh, absolutely. Like just understanding, well, the the no power plays, no walkaways and no blame. If you could implement that into a marriage. That would be right? that's uh, huge. That's it. That's it's you know, huge. every guy. Well, I shouldn't even just say guys. There's always a dominant person in always. a relationship that wants to be the loud one, the yeah. big one, the powerful one, the leader. And like, why does there have to be a leader? Like, why sure. can't I lead this little portion? And then you lead that little portion because exactly. you're really good at it. Um, that was uh, one of our chain around with our finances, was I wasn't doing a good job of it. And then my wife's like, Can I do it? And I'm like, 
can't do any worse than I can. <laughs> and she's fantastic at it. Oh, good. Right? Yes. So, yeah, you got to you gotta figure that stuff out in the marriage. Of, yes. You know, when my wife comes over and grabs my leg, like, stop talking. I have to, I know that I'm, I'm <laughs> ruling the room when I shouldn't be ruling the room. So true. <laughs> yeah. And relationships, marriages, they a lot of them end over money issues, right? Oh, I think more than half of them end Huge. over money issues. And I think a lot of that is just not understanding the other person's values and why this person, you, you think they're an idiot for spending money on that and you think he's an idiot for spending money on that and pretty yeah. soon you're both mad because nobody's getting to spend money on the things that are important to them and and things start to blow up, right? It's huge. Yeah. Or everyone wants their share. Like, yes. I, I had a relationship where it was like that. If I went out and bought lunch, she would just go take that money out of the account and find just something to spend it on. Oh, I yeah. I was like, really? You're mad about me getting lunch? <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> and so, yeah, yes. just that doesn't work at all, no. right? And no. I, I could care less what my mom, my wife spends money on because she's great at it. Right. She's never going to waste it. Um, and now huge. I'm conscious about what I'm doing because she's so good at it. I don't want to wreck what she's doing. Oh, and so, so good. That's that's the the trade off in it. Right. My friends all make fun of me. They're like, "You get an allowance." I'm like, "I know, but I'll get to retire <laughs> when I want to retire." Because <laughs> she's setting me up. That's right. So yeah, you don't kick your coach. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they they know what's going on. Yeah. Yeah, so good. That uh, So a friend of mine is a potter, and she gets into the schools and talks. And I've had a few other p- friends of mine recently. That's what you need to do. Develop uh, a course, go into high school, maybe yeah. grade 11 or 12, and uh, you know, teach a little um, uh, semester uh, of this course. And they'll come out of there being better people with yeah. better relationships. Yeah, no kidding. It's good. It's actually interesting to see the stuff come out of my kids' mouths because I'm, I'm just – talk in my talk all the time right I'm not necessarily trying to pound it into them or whatever but my son bought a car um so he this is your older I have three right so my middle my oldest son has moved out and he's adulting successfully which is fantastic he's doing spray foam or something yeah now. he is yeah. yeah 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 he is cool and my middle child and my youngest daughter they both live at home and so my middle child he's a bit of an entrepreneur and he's busy busy to tackling the world which is really neat to see and he actually has four vehicles now because I think every 17-year-old probably needs four vehicles. <laughs> Anyways, um, he's better at buying than selling. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> so he bought his most recent one. He always likes to keep a certain amount of money in his bank account and just for security. And it's it's a pretty nice size bank account that he likes to keep. But he saw a new Volkswagen Jetta and decided to buy it. And it um, cleaned out his bank account more oh, so than he's comfortable no. with. Yeah. And then... Um, he got it home and realized that it needed an inspection. And in order to get the inspection done, he was going to have to put new tires on it. And the e-brake wasn't working. And it needs a new windshield. And needed a water pump. And, and so a few extra thousand. So he knew that it needed the water pump. He knew about the e-brake. And he knew about the windshield when he bought it. But he wasn't expecting to have to do it all at once. So he yeah. kind of thought he'd drive it for a bit and kind of fix it up as he went. And all of a sudden, now it needed this inspection. So all the things had to be done at once. And anyways, there goes all the money out of his bank account. And yeah. he has no cushion, no anything. And and uh, and I mean, I. I don't talk to him about a lot of this stuff. We're talking about his stuff all the time. I'm not trying to teach him. And he's like, I think I should sell this car. And I'm like, oh, okay. And why, why are you going to sell the car? Like he was pretty excited about it. And I, when he, before he bought it, he's like, I always give you a chance to talk me out of doing this. And I'm like, the only reason I'm trying to talk you out of doing this is because I don't want to see you end up in a position where this car is like sucking all your money. Right. Right. Okay. So now he's in the position where the car is sucking all his money. (laughs) He's like, I think I'm going to sell it. Well, why would you sell it now? You're committed. You've done it. You know, whatever. And uh, he's like, this is not one of my values. I thought this was one of my values. This is not one of my values. And I'm like, 
score. Like I'm doing the money story with the people in my class and my kid is sitting there like telling me about his values for the money. Yes, it's so good. So I love that actually. I actually, the whole parenting journey to me has been... It's, it's miraculous, really. I love it. I love that we get to take these little human beings and mold them into little versions of ourselves. I actually quite love that. And when it starts to come back out, and I find it entertaining on social media when parents are like, I am so proud of this kid. She's so great. She's amazing. And I'm like, well, of course you think that. <laughs> <laughs> She's like a miniature version of you, right? Yeah. You don't have to brag to her. You're pretty much bragging about you, right? Yeah. You're pretty much bragging to me about yourself. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Anyways, um, but I do love, I love watching them grow up and, and become better versions of us. Yeah. I do love that. I, uh, being that my producer, my son is right there, that, uh, mm-hmm. it's the same thing for me. He, me and him are very different in personality and our, and what we like, mm-hmm. but he's so good at what he does. I can't help but brag about it. And, yeah. and it's not for me. He's figured out stuff on his own, the, the electronics, the gaming, the coding, all that kind of stuff. Um, that's, the gaming, <laughs> oh, the coding, yeah, yeah. You were into coding lots uh, for a while, but yeah, he's he's he knows his stuff better than most adults do. We we go to the computer stores and he talks those guys under the table. That's that's Neat, impressive to right? me. Yeah, but he'll he'll be picking up your habits and your work ethic and your way you do things, and then he's just applying it over there, right? Which right. is so cool. Yeah, yeah. I love yeah. that, and I love we found something to work together because I'm not a gamer at all. For me to sit in front of a TV for two it's hours. Hard. Ah, just for a short period we did Minecraft, but it wasn't for very long. That's still not my thing. Although we got him a PlayStation VR, uh-huh. and so uh, I think I'm buying the boxing. So at least we can get exercise right. if I'm going to play video games. That's a good combination for the two of you. I'll probably box for two, three hours a day. I'm guessing once I get hooked <laughs> on this and I'll set up a TV and yeah, we got the mats down there and everything. So yeah, no, I, I agree. Parenting... Um, you know, I think it's very different for women than it is for men, which it should be. Mm-hmm. I remember when the kids were very little, I was angry lots because I didn't get time with them. Right. You know, I was working all the time. And I think if you looked at dads, that you'll find that's probably why they're angry. If they got to do what the stay-at-home moms do, and I get it, that's the way it works. It's part of our journey is what we have to do and overcome. Um, but I would much prefer stay home and hang out with my kids and go to work any day of the week. Like, I like my family. <laughs> yeah. um, I'm not going to work to get away from them. I'm going to work to give them something better. Right. Um, yeah. But in that same thing, you miss out on a lot of stuff as as a, as a dad or a single mom, single dads. They're, they're all the same. Um, you, you just don't get the time that you want with them. So were you angry that you weren't there or were you angry with them because they were noisy and busy and it was hard at the end of the day or what? I'm not sure. I mean, there's lots of stuff to overcome from, you know, untwisting my upbringing. So part of it comes from that. But part of it is also like I would get home and hear about this awesome day they had and I had a crappy day. Like I was hanging drywall when they were uh, little. There's not a lot of joy in hanging drywall. (laughs) And I'm sorry, I'm not crapping on drywallers because I was one for most of my life. But yeah, it's, you know, if I had the choice, I would be rather walking them to the park. And then you get home and you're like, I'm tired, I'm broken. And, uh, you know, now my kids are just getting ready for bed. You work from seven in the morning till seven at night. They go to bed at eight, eight thirty. You barely get a meal in and they're gone. Right. So hard, right? Yeah. It's not, it's not fun to do as a, as a dad. And yeah, you can sacrifice and take smaller jobs and get less stuff and in hindsight, there's lots of stuff I could have sacrificed and mm-hmm. spent more time at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I had to overcome that angerness, and um, I think I'm mostly there, right? <laughs> <laughs> right now in the summer, because I'm at home all summer, but 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's it's uh, parenting is a joy. It really is to watch what they're growing oh, into and hearing other people talk about your kids. You know, when they're like, "Oh, I can't believe how polite your kids are," or "I can't believe how hardworking they are," or "I can't believe how good they are at this." You're like, "Yep." Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. I worked exactly. hard. Exactly. I, didn't, I didn't sit on my butt to make this happen. Yeah. Like it wasn't every day I thought about what are we doing? Yes. Yeah. 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 And it's, it's evaluating, right? Right. Yeah. My most favorite thing I've done so far, the hardest work I've ever done parenting, especially the little kids. Oh, that's because I homeschooled. So I had my kids seven days, 365 until my oldest went to grade six. That was when they went into school. So it was a lot and it was hard. And all my girlfriends, you know, we were all doing it together when they were little. And then they sent all the kids off to school and they'd go for lunches. And I would be like, okay, I'm still doing this. And, <laughs> <laughs> um, but thank goodness I did. Yeah. It was the best. Looking back, it was the best. And I'm so grateful for it. And in the most rewarding journey ever. Yeah. But yeah, it's a hard work. So, yeah, there's a ton of people in energy that homeschool. Yeah. Like for a long, like past grade six, I think, like for long periods of time. Mm-hmm. I know Renee, um, who's yes. been on the podcast and is a friend of, or a mutual friend. Yep. She's uh, homeschools with a group of um, parents and yeah. they, they take care of their kids. I had a lady on the podcast. I can't remember what her name is right now. It'll come to me. Um, I was almost there. Uh, anyways, she was unschooled. Have you ever heard of this? I well, I did unschool the kids. That was what I had. Oh, I, did. Okay. I didn't actually follow Alberta curriculum with them. Yeah, yep. you just let them read and play, and so I we, I my whole thing with school is I I. I, d- I didn't ever want my kids to leave school and then have to take a year or two or 25 to find themselves. Right. Like, why do you lose yourself, right? <laughs> and so for me, where a huge part of where I feel like I lost myself was in school. And so it was like, you have to fit into this cookie cutter mold and you have to be like this or you're dumb or you're not cool or you're what all the labels that we get in school, right? Yeah. Or you're smart or you're whatever, but you're, you're being what the school tells you you're being based on what the Alberta curriculum said about stuff that, Lots of stuff that nobody even cares about after they're done school, right? Right. So that was trigonometry, right? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure somebody does, but not all of us. Let them learn it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So for me, I didn't want my kids to lose their sense of self through the school system. And that was why I was homeschooling primarily. And they, um, so they followed their own hearts and what they wanted to learn. And then in the end, um, we were running businesses and busy and I, I wasn't probably doing as good of a job as I felt like they needed. And I had a girlfriend who had just graduated from university and she was doing her practicum in Airdrie. And so she came and started helping teach them and, uh, practicum for what, uh, education. She was a teacher. Cool. Cool. And, um, she came and, and so she kind of followed their lead, um, but had more structured learning time than I ever had, which was fantastic for them. They all look back, her included, we're still friends. And they all look back on that time as, as part of their favorites. They got to learn about war. That's the boys wanted to learn about, they wanted to learn about the weapons in the war and the war. And, and that led to the Titanic. And then the Titanic display was on at the Telespark Center Mm, and they went down and did the Titanic display and, and they went to the Remembrance Day ceremonies in Airdrie and, and just all of that kind of stuff. And it was some of their most favorite memories. And, and yeah. she still, um, she, she still says, you know, I look up to you and your parenting style as something that I would like to aspire to be because you so wanted your kids just to, that was my whole thing. I just wanted my kids to not lose a sense of who they were. Right. Yeah. And so, um, that was actually all really cool. And then my kids went to school. So I sent them back to school because, 
I just, my mom actually said to me one day, Jody, I think they need to go to school. I think they feel like they're missing out on something. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, okay, well, maybe you're right. You know, our world had become pretty small by that point. We were still in hockey and they had lots of friends. The social part was never an issue. Yeah. But um, I was busy and, and probably they needed to be doing more things. So I put them in school. And uh, my oldest son came home and we had talked about other kids and how they can be bullies and, you know, all of the school things. And he came home. I don't know, after his second day of school, and he said, it's not the kids who are bullies, it's the teachers who are bullies. Wow. So that was actually pretty profound, because in our life, he was just one of us, right? There was no, right. I mean, there was for sure a parent-child relationship still, but he was very much respected. His opinions were respected. His choices were respected. That was all yeah. never an option. And he went to school, and he was like, yeah, that's not what happens. <laughs> that's not what's happening there. Anyways, he, it, was, it was really interesting. So my, he went to school in grade six, and my son went to school in grade four, and my daughter was never homeschooled. Okay. She started kindergarten and went all the way through because I went back to work and uh, couldn't do it anymore. And my oldest son, he was upset that he didn't get more years in school. Yeah. He actually loved school, loved the social side, loved the kids, loved all of it. Yeah. And uh, my middle child wanted to be homeschooled again. He didn't want to have to go to school ever. And my daughter, who didn't know any different, she um, she excels in schools great. But it, she, so my oldest loved it kind of did the academics part to get to the social part. My middle child was like, school is useless and I don't need this. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. And my daughter really excels at school, really thinks she has to follow the rules and has to get 100% and everything. And even now she's just finished grade seven and she got 100% on two of her finals. Wow. And ended up with like a 96 in a class and a 98 in a class and a 95 in class. And so yeah. it's just been really interesting to see how their journeys are different and it's all good. Yeah. It's that's. Good. I yeah. think if you have a positive outlook, there's no way you can't have a good yeah. outcome. Right? Exactly. Yeah. Absolutely. This uh, lady that we had on, her parents were university professors, and they literally oh. just set her in a room with books, and like whatever books she picked up, they're like, oh, get more of those. Yeah, <laughs> that was almost kind of what we did. Yeah, yes. and, just, and she led down her own path. She's super well-read, super well-spoken. Um, she was a little bit on the weird side. I think she lacked the social part a little bit. Right. Like we had a, it took us about 45 minutes to actually get a conversation going. So it was a hard, granted she was in a room with two guys she had never met before. Yes. And so there was a lot of dynamics there that weren't great. Yeah. But uh, once it started going, we, we hit it off and it was good. And she plays music and um, like now for a living, she makes toys. That was uh, oh, Emma wow. Rulu. There you go. I remembered. She was a toy maker. <laughs> it was Funny, when I found her on uh, Shopper as a toy maker, I'm like, oh, I'll invite this person on the podcast. I've never met a toy maker before. And so she agrees, and we set up a date, and then I tell my wife about it, and she's like, what kind of toys? I'm like, a good know. question, actually. <laughs> what about a great question? But she makes stuffies for adults or custom oh, made. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. anyways, it wasn't. <laughs> and then during the podcast, we weren't sure if that was actually what it was. <laughs> we were trying to get it out of her, and she's. It didn't make any sense to us, but then we right. found out about her being unschooled, and then our conversation took off really well. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. That's funny. Yeah. I never put a lot of emphasis on school for our kids. Eric does it all on his own. He's he's super driven and motivated, and he likes to score the the best in the class, and he works mm -hmm. hard to get the best score. Mm -hmm. um, Ava's kind of like... Yeah, you don't have to try. You just get good scores. Yeah. Lucky. Um, my daughter, she's very artistic, she's very fun, very creative, and she does good in school. Uh, not even okay, she does good in school. But if she gets a bad teacher, 
she's she just she's out she needs needs it she came home with like a 62 or something like that as a final and i'm like ava that's not the way to do it she goes you know what i got like uh middle of the road most of the class failed i'm like most of the class she goes yeah the teachers just didn't know what they were doing didn't give us the right information and i'm like all right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do you do? No kidding. Yeah. yeah. But we had those going to school, right? Totally. Yeah. Yeah. And if the teacher wasn't engaged, I, well, I had a hard time being engaged in school anyway. School was, I actually found school quite easy, too too easy. Yeah. And so I was bored a lot of the time. And <clears throat> That's him. Yeah. Yeah. That makes it hard to sit there all day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's all I hear from him. Like, this is so boring. I can't believe right. I have to go. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. And they actually put me, um, the school had put me in the advanced enrichment program or whatever they called it the pegasus program at the time my dad pulled me out because he didn't want me to turn into somebody who had no social skills he was worried about that (laughs) which was fine i don't remember having any opinion about it whatsoever i didn't care that as long as they were going to make me do more work i didn't think i needed to do more work so yeah yeah it was good i'm amazed now because uh with facebook you get to look back uh to all your friends you grew up Mm. in Airdrie, so Mm -hmm. i'm sure you've never like all your friends are all your friends i moved everywhere so to stay in contact with people i knew throughout my life was nearly impossible i wasn't writer so you know pen pals was the best you could do when uh, when we were younger uh, but with facebook now i've gotten to reconnect with all these people and it, it's amazing to see what some of them done some of them were like the stoner kid in school that now owns this great business and he's doing really well and other kids were like geniuses that they're just stay-at-home parents now and yeah. not that that just they're, they're stay-at-home parents now yeah. and they don't use those skills so i love looking back on that all and just going like we had no idea totally no, right? right and we put so much emphasis on school for our kids and it just yeah. really doesn't make all the difference in the world. No. No. We had uh, Harp uh, on here, a friend of mine who owns um, Queen of Bud with his wife, uh, pot, um, sorry, cannabis uh, dispensary. Okay. And he detests school. He's a super bright guy, went through it, on roll the whole way. And he's like, I would never do that to a kid. Yeah, never. I struggled too. I yeah. struggled too. <laughs> and, but I have to be fair, when I sent them to school... Um, that was important too, because it gave them a place, it gave them their own thing where we had always done everything together as a family. We didn't have that. I, I hadn't noticed, but we didn't have that sense of individuality amongst us. Yeah. Oh, gosh. It's okay. And, uh, everyone's used to it. Okay. <laughs> and so it really gave them their own sense of individuality. And this is what's happening now. My, my boys were best, best friends. And then they got their own friends at school and it was really hard to watch that their relationship sort of separate a little yeah, bit. That was yeah. hard for a mom. Cause you want, <clears throat> I knew how good of friends they were, but they just sort of now they each had their own thing and and their relationship with each other wasn't the most important thing anymore so for mom that was hard but they're still you can still tell the love is there right the bond was there even now but uh, yeah that was actually a really good thing about school and the school was um, exposing them to things that they didn't even so I thought that um, maybe I was a little misguided there I wanted them to follow their own heart and find their own way and not lose a sense of themselves but the school was really good at presenting them different things that I hadn't Mm, yeah, presented, it's very right? diverse. Yes, and yeah. so that was actually really good for them too. Cool. So in a lot of ways, it was good for them to go to school. Yeah, I think it's mostly about attitude. You could be anywhere and things can turn out really, really well. It's so your true. attitude going in. If you're at the worst elementary school in all of the country, you could still come out bright. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, for you sure. can be at an Ivy League school and be a retard. Right, totally, <laughs> yeah. yes. I, yes. Uh, I get in trouble for saying that word all the time, but really it's... <laughs> It's mm-hmm. a fine word. It's a good description of who mm-hmm. I'm thinking about. <laughs> so true. Did you go to university? No, I didn't. Nothing? No, I signed up for um, Olds College. I was going to take business at Olds College. Yeah. And uh, my parents were self-employed and I was working in the business and the start and 
start date just kind of came and went and I never went to school and <laughs> <laughs> I was accepted and I was all supposed to go and we just never, it just never happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that was, that was actually okay. I'm a, I'm a avid learner and I have never stopped learning and I'm reading and learning and I have myself so busy trying to learn all the time, all the things. And so yeah. um, I'm, I, I feel like I didn't miss out. I feel the same way. I, yeah. I have... Uh, I think two guys that work for me have business degrees and I have another guy that's an accountant degree and uh, another guy that's a paramedic. Like he's got his, um, it's not medicine degree, whatever their degree is. Um, super, super bright guys and they all work for me and I'm the right? dumb guy, right? No education <laughs> yes. at all, but I figure out what I need to figure out when I need to do yeah. it, right? If I see yeah. a problem like that, we're not doing that anymore. How do we fix this? And I'll find a way every time. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, I think last time you were on, uh, we were talking about camp practice and the horse training and Mm -hmm. you were talking about, you guys have brought someone in or you you had a different type of horse training happening? Um, uh, no, I'm not sure what we were talking. I don't actually remember our conversation. We have, so my mom has, my mom and dad have horses. My mom is with the horses all the time. Um, I grew up riding horses and my dad is now, uh, last summer, he bought a couple of new horses and got back into team roping, which is fantastic. Your dad is team roping? Yeah. So he used to team rope 10 years ago, and okay. he's back team roping again now. He Very actually cool. was in Arizona all winter down there team roping. Yeah. And uh, so mom and I started team roping also in, I don't know, early winter. That was actually, she's in, she's in my... I, I don't know if I should actually be telling everybody's goals, but she's in my self-awareness group, our support group. And that cool. was one of her goals for in January was to learn how to team rope. Yeah. And so I'm like, well, I'll do that with you. So now it's the best, actually. I spend so much time with my mom and dad on horses. Dad's yeah. teaching me and mom and we're roping and it's the three of us together. And Very cool. once in a while, my daughter comes and she's our photographer because she's taking photography in 4-H and yeah. she comes and takes pictures of us and, and there we all are. It's a great time. It's That's just awesome. So cool. Yeah. I love when families can bond over stuff. Me and Eric with the podcast yeah. and Ava's starting to ask if she can get involved. So she'll take over the social media aspect. Uh, awesome. Uh, and we'll have a whole family. She wants money too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everyone wants a piece of the pie. Right. It's <laughs> yeah. all good though. It's still business. Yep, exactly. Yeah. 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 So um, group starts up again next fall. Um, is, can other people join? So I've, I've been trying to figure out what I'm going to do there if I take it online so that because I have readers, most of my readers are local, but I have mm-hmm. lots of readers also that aren't local that um, I get messages from that I think that some of my stuff could help. And I don't know if my time is better spent just helping a small group one on like kind of in person or if it's better spent um building information so that people, anybody, everywhere can use it and learn from it. So I, I haven't actually figured that out yet. I have, um, I have my plate pretty full. So the, the planning for the class and then doing the class is hard for me. I'm an early bird. I like to get up at like five in the morning. And so we go do the class and sometimes it goes till 10 or 10 30 at night and it wipes me out oh, for a couple of days yeah. because I, it's too, <laughs> that's too late to be staying up. So yeah. I haven't actually decided. I've, I've had people ask if they could join the class. I know that there's, there's a, there's a want for it and need. And I know even for myself, it was something that I was always looking for was just a group of people to connect with that we could grow together. That So I think there's, I think it's, there's a need for it. And I yeah. think there's a space for it. I'm just not sure if I have the wherewithal to do all the things that I want to do, including that class 
other than these, this special little group of people that just keeps yeah. to keep getting together because we keep That's doing That's a it. problem, right? There's never enough time in life to get in all the stuff that you want to so do. So true. You either have to give up sleep or you have to give up food yes. or you have to give up something to get in everything that you want to exactly. get in. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so mm-hmm. all of uh, sleep and food and time with my kids is all really important to me because I'm, they're, they're getting old and they don't want to spend as much time with me anymore. So <laughs> for me to be taking time away from them, I don't, I don't enjoy that yeah. either. And that's, that's what it is. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to do. I know, I know if I started another group, I'd have a great group of people and I know it would be new people and it would be awesome and it would really help. I know it helps a lot of people. I already know that yeah. we have a lot of really good activities and, and homework and stuff. That's been really good. So all of that's good. It's just deciding whether I'm going to do it. Yeah. 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 The, uh, what, do, what do you think about the universal basic income? Because this is the problem. Lots of people have great ideas, but they have to have a job to, to be able to pay for their good ideas or to cover the bills so that they can do this kind of stuff. Um, what do you think about it? Well, back to money. Yeah. I think that um, I think I think that the amount of money that we have is probably very close to a direct relation or correlation to uh, how much we value what we, who we are and what we know and how much we're contributing to society. Mm -hmm. So I think that the more you're contributing, the more you're helping people, the bigger difference that you're making, probably that balances out with your money stuff. Now, do you need, uh, a job in order to make that stuff happen? I guess that depends on how you value your your time and your worth, so and your contribution. Yeah. So if contributing to society and uh, contributing to society and adding value into other people's lives is super important, then probably you'll find a way to counterbalance that so that that becomes your probably your biggest um, exchange for money in yeah. your in your life, right? Yeah. Um, so I think, and I think a lot of fulfillment comes from that too. So if you're not, if you're going to the job for the money then probably you're not making the contribution that you could be making and you're probably not adding value to people's lives like you could be and you're probably not seeing your worth like you should be. Right. And then you're probably burning yourself out just based on those principles and not having those principles, right? So that's so sort of... Getting free money is not going to change any of that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think if you can figure out that you receive money for contribution and for adding value into other people's lives and that's where you focus your efforts then I think all of that starts to really shift yeah yeah. but I think if you're just working at Walmart to pay a bill probably you're going to do that for a long time because you're kind of missing the boat I think right you're missing the whole purpose of what you're supposed (coughs) to be doing that's what I think yeah Yeah. no I agree the uh, I'm not a big fan of the universal basing for a couple reasons Uh, probably remember when Ralph Klein gave all that money away Um, everybody got 400 bucks Mm -hmm. so for people aren't uh, listening in Alberta that are um, uh, our great leader Ralph Klein uh had so much in the bank, he just decided to give everybody 400 bucks. So it was fantastic. We all, you know, every family got 16 or uh, 2,000 bucks. But what I noticed was instantly there was a sale to take your 400 bucks. Right. There was a million <laughs> things. So, you know, if uh, everyone say, I think the, the, the going number right now is um, like 15 or $20,000 a year. And that's enough to cover all of your basics. Well, I guarantee you that the people out there that uh, own houses or are renting out houses, rent will go up if they know you've got free money. Probably true. <laughs> Maybe not immediately, but they're going to want a piece of that pie. Everyone's going to want a piece of that free money. That's yeah. that's that's just the nature of humanity is to like, oh, these people have something that I like. 
I'm going to take a little bit of it. How can I get it without them being mad at me? So I see that a a little bit differently. I think that when you don't, when you're not um, consciously, this is going to sound a little weird based on what I just said, but when you're not working for your money, and what I mean by working for your money is adding value to other people's lives, contributing to society, helping make a better world for all of us, make a better place. When you're not consciously doing that and somebody just gives you money, that money doesn't have the same value either. Totally. And so those people then will spend that money quite carelessly and quite freely because it came into their lives without them doing anything for it. And it's going to go out of their lives just as easy without value necessarily. There's always exceptions to the rule, right? And so then all of a sudden the rent prices probably go up because the people are willing to pay it because they have this free money that they're about to just now hand out because there's there's... no value. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. I think it all comes down to that. I totally think that's true. I think if they spend $1,500 a month teaching people the value of money and how to spend. Right. (laughs) Or just teaching them what's in, helping them figure out what's important to them so that they're not just trying to fill themselves up with all the things that they're buying with the money. They can just do the things that actually fulfill them and not trying to find it elsewhere and outside of themselves. Yeah. That's what, what schools should be for, yes, right? Yes, absolutely. Let's, let's, let's spend a whole year on budgeting, mm-hmm. not two weeks or three weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's learn how to buy a new car, you know, yes. or whether you should buy a new car. Right. You know, how to how to budget out. Or, or figure out if that's one of your values. Right. A new car. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or four cars. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, what's the value in having a new car for yes. you? Is it secured? I, I said that light of myself a thousand times. Oh, I don't want to get something used. What if it breaks down? You have more money in the bank to yeah. fix it when you don't buy new. That's true. I just never pieced that together until I was older. But yeah, I would love to see um, more courses. And actually, I think, you know, um, uh, Victory Church here was working towards putting these courses together for the community. Venue Church, I think, is doing that. Dave Ramsey has, you know, a phenomenal financial uh, freedom course that goes out there. Yeah, so good. Um, my wife and I did a, a holistic uh, nutrition course on Sundays uh, for free. We just sat down and we taught a course, um, which I think she's going to continue doing for the community as well. That's fantastic. Yeah. I think that's awesome. You're just raising value for people and yourself. And, and Absolutely. yeah, it's that always, that no bad comes from doing good things like that. No, 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 no. no. You're never going to be punished for no, it. No, never. I hate that uh, old saying, uh, no good deed goes unpunished. Uh, you remember not, that? Yeah, I do. And I don't honestly, I don't know where they were going with that. Where were they going with that? I think it was that, uh, yeah, I don't know. I had it in my head for a minute that you, you sort of feel that way sometimes when you give money away and also like, oh, I could have used that. Or you give a bike away and I'm like, ah, oh, my car just broke down. I could use my bike. I think that's the mentality that people have. and But because Still they have that mentality... Based. That's why the bad stuff yeah, happens. Right. You know, the, that everything is tragic in their life. Yes. Nothing's tragic in my life. No, I mean, exactly. We got in a car accident uh, two nights ago. And I uh, get out, no pain. Eric was in the car, he's in no pain. Like, I have people getting these little accidents, and I think they go, oh, this is free money. I got to tell everybody I'm in pain. Well, now you're in pain because yeah, you're exactly. telling everybody you're in pain. <laughs> How about you just go, I'm fine, and you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's great. I think even though... Um, once you start to appreciate the journey that you're on and the silver linings and all of those things, and even though it's hard right now, there's good that's coming from it. And sometimes it's because you're losing things, but those things had to fall away from your life anyways. Once you start to really see the bigger picture that way, then it's a lot easier to understand tragedy. Yeah. Yeah. Putting the big rocks first, right? What's most important in your life? Do those things first. Yes. Every day. Right. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You have to figure those out though, right? 
Not everybody knows those things. Right. And who's yes. teaching you how to evaluate and how, yes. what the big rocks are. Right. Exactly. Yeah. What are your big rocks? Um, so always relationships is at the top for me. Always, always, always. Parenting is huge for me, but also is um, self-growth uh, contribution and legacy as I get older. That's becoming a lot more important to me. So Oprah talks about uh, Maya Angelou telling her that um, your legacy is every life you touch. Yeah. And I loved that. And I am like, okay, that's my mission. I'm just going to keep trying to touch lives in whatever way I can, however I can try and leave someone better when I get, than when I get there, try to handle my own personal life well enough that I'm not spewing crap and ruining other people's days, (laughs) you know, all of those things. So those are my, those are hugely important to me and I'm learning to play again, which is fun. So the roping is helping me learn how to play and have fun and let go and very and cool. uh, progress. Progression is huge. I always like, ever, and, and no matter where, things have to be getting better because if you're not growing, you're dying. Yeah. That's another. So those are mine. What are yours? Uh, definitely church, uh, putting God first. I, right. I, I study scripture every day. Uh, before I even get out of bed, I have a, a set of uh, readings that I do and I think about, and it puts my mind in the right place for the day. Second would be uh, family, um, which is, you know, of course my household, but also my community and my church mm-hmm. and everything around me. Those are massive. And then, uh, you know, there's all these little ones that I think about every day, the, all the stuff I'm untwisting from when I was younger. So like the, the lying, the um, misrepresenting myself, like all these childish things that I did and I brought into adulthood. Um, I catch myself like yesterday, why did I say that? Like right. that, that wasn't a hundred percent. I got to go fix that. Yeah. And so just that evaluation every day of who I am, because I don't want it to slip. It's easy to go back to the old ways. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being angry, being a big guy, I can get stuff done when yelling. I can get yeah. everybody to move. That's not what I want to be known for. That's not the legacy I want. So um, when I put uh, God and my family first and and I'm really thinking about those all day long and when I'm uh, putting my community first, um, I think, I I don't know if I told you this, the 12 rules of life, one of the things that uh, Jordan Peterson says and all the decision making you made, um, first, everything you do has to be good for you, but not only good for you, good for you and your family and your community and the world. But not only for today for tomorrow, for five years, 10 years, and the rest of your life. So that's what I'm really concentrating on as sort of that third big rock is like when I make a decision, is this because I feel like I need to do this or I want this? Why Why am I making this decision? And who's it benefiting? Right. You know, well, you, yeah, I want a bigger TV. I don't know why, but I want one. I'm not going to go buy one, but I want one, right? Yeah. There's all these things that I want and then I have to – push those down somewhere out of the way and I'm like, what should I be doing? And then I look at, you know, being in a church, you see everything from very, very affluent people to people that are struggling every day. And I'm like, you know what, let's just go give a little extra so that these people can have something. You wouldn't believe how much that changes your life. You know, you come home, you look at your crappy TV and, you know, you walk by the store and see the really good one. You're like, ah. (laughs) <laughs> I could have had that TV if I wasn't so stupid, but <laughs> it, it, you really do feel better for doing it yeah. um, and being part of that and knowing I'm teaching my kids to be better people of instead course. of, you know, uh, you see it, go go to any Facebook page to your local community and listen to, and I'm going to bash on the urgy dads a little bit because it's, it's rampant in there, but they just do a lot of complaining. Yeah. You know, there's a whole bunch, my wife doesn't, and this person did, and they cut me off, and they're not parking 
looking good. Yeah. I'm like, really? That's <laughs> what you're concentrating on? How about you concentrate 10 more minutes on growing your life a little bit differently? Right. Eleanor Roosevelt, there she comes again. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then you just don't have to care about any of that stuff. Yeah. Um, I get rear-ended. As I got hit, um, uh, right after I got hit, I got angry. I'm like, I'm going to go kick this guy's ass. <laughs> and I get out of my car and I look and it's a, a new to Canada Filipino guy. He looks super, super scared. And instantly, you know, this is the empathy thing. Yeah. I'm realizing it now, like I'm being super intimidating. So I immediately changed my posture and I lowered myself down a little bit and took a deep breath and got out of the car and it was all good. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you staring at his phone. So right now I'm getting <laughs> mad again thinking about it. But I, you know, he didn't have any ill will towards us. He just made a mistake. But yeah, right. th- those are my those are my big rocks and my big reasons is that, um, like you said, legacy. I, yep. I don't. Uh, if you talk to people from my past, most of them are going to say I was an asshole. Um, I don't want to die with everyone thinking I'm an asshole. No kidding, right? <laughs> right? Isn't that true? Yeah, yeah, isn't that true? So the scriptures. I'm I'm not a church person, but I'm spiritual. But yeah. I haven't and I haven't read the Bible, although I probably should because I think it's an amazing source of wisdom. I even know I know that even not having written read it yeah. but how do you pick the scripts how did you pick your scriptures what are they is there a theme is there so there's a um what's it called now uh bible plans and so in the bible app uh version i think that's the app that i got um you can just pick them they can be based on anger or joy or sin or whatever you want and so whatever happens to be going on in my life or whatever my pastor is talking about or whatever i see happening in someone else's life i'll just be like i'll read on that And so then you get um, usually a short little write-up or a story, and then you get some scripture to back that up, and then you get a a little part to journal in the end. And so you, you know, do 10, 15 minutes worth of reading, and you write down some of your thoughts about that, and then you go out your day, and that's that's the first thing that hits my mind. So, you know, if it's, um, you know, I do ones on marriage. It's the one that I just finished. It's like how to make your marriage better. I got a good marriage. I I don't have any complaints at all. I'm sure my wife's got a couple, but I don't have any complaints. (laughs) But good is the worst enemy of great. So what can I do to make my marriage better? What am I missing? What am I not thinking about? What does my wife need? All those things. So I read the um, what scripture has to say about that. And uh, I think people, you said it, where you have to know there's wisdom inside. This is a book that has lasted for thousands of years with tons of people wanting to destroy it. Mm -hmm. And here it is uh, in 2019 with half the world's population reading it. There's got to be something to it. Oh, absolutely. If you ask me to defend the Bible, I can't. I'm not theologically strong enough to do it. Um, But what I do know is the benefit I get from reading it and from being around Christian people. Not all of them. Some of them are assholes too, <laughs> um, and some of those get are. There. Yeah, they'll get there. Hopefully, <laughs> they're they're all working towards that same thing, right? Yeah. And and as human beings, there's just there's just people that are never going to get there. Yeah, and that's okay too. Yep. You can love on them. Yep. You know, if you look at what the Bible stands for, it's love God and love people. Right. That's the basis of it. No, well, here's a scripture on how to love them better. Okay, good. Let's yeah. do that. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's for me what. Um, um, why I put that first. I didn't grow up with any really good leadership. Mm. This is a great leadership mm. book for me. 
That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's not just that, though. I'd I'd read everything. I I had uh, the um, medium on the podcast, and Mm -hmm. I told my my church group, we have a Thursday church group, plus we have, like, our regular Sunday church. And I was telling people about who's coming up on my podcast, and she's a talks to the dead. Right. And they're like, you got to be so careful with that. I'm (laughs) pretty sure I'll be okay. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. uh, You know, there's definitely fanatical people, and Mm -hmm. uh, I love them as much as I love the haters. Absolutely. People yeah. are so fascinating. Yeah. So do you read a lot of leadership books? I wouldn't. I listen to books more than anything. Okay. So uh, I'll usually like David Goggins. I don't know if you've um, no. heard of him. He's got this amazing story. Comes from a family where like he was nearly beaten to death as a six-year-old by his dad. Super violent. Um, mm. it, it was a horrific upbringing. And then he found... Um, uh, they got away from the dad. He found uh, the military and running and just was so super driven in everything he did. You know, he's like, oh, I've never done an ultra marathon. He went out and run 100 miles and with no training. And like, it, you'd have to hear the whole story. He says it much, much better. But he's grown into this person that is just so motivating. Like, um, he, I'm trying to remember what he had now. Um, anyways, he was just literally tore up from running thousands of miles in a row mm. that uh, he had to go do a race in Vegas. And he's like, oh, I don't feel good. He's passing out. He's falling down. Yet he still put on his shoes and got in the race. Wow. And uh, you're just like, what would drive somebody to work this hard? He's got the world or he had the world pull-up record. He had to do like 4,000 pull-ups. She's like, what do I have to do to do 4,000 pull-ups? Oh, wow. And the uh, first three times he failed, uh, didn't make the world record. And the fourth time he made it. Um, so it was just a guy that like once he gets set on something, he never lets it go until he's accomplished it. He's like a, a Green Beret and a Ranger and like he's hit the peak of every military thing that way. you can do yeah. and nobody can break him. So you hear his story and when you're like, oh, I don't feel like exercising today, you're just like, bitch, get Uh, (laughs) how can you not go out and do the stuff that you're supposed to do right so he was one Jordan Peterson's uh, one of mine that I, I really enjoy and I wouldn't say that any of them are leaders. They're just super, super special people that have figured out something that no one else has. And those are the people I think I like listening to. Yep. Yeah. Tony yep. Robbins is good and Oprah is good. And I listened to Oprah growing up. My mom had her on all the time and she's fantastic. Got uh, great wisdom and um, some amazing skill sets as a person. And yeah, I, I like everybody. That's <laughs> why <laughs> so I do the podcast. <laughs> yeah. I had a friend on Facebook the other day. He asked the question, what is leadership? I'm like, that is such a good question. Mm. Do you have the answer for that? I have what I think leadership is. Um, I think leadership is about growing as a person um, um, and allowing people to see that. And so I don't think a leadership's about being the general or being the boss or telling people what to do. Um, it's about this is what's really working well for me. How's it working for you? Yeah. And just sort of showing people that there's a better way. And and also realizing there's a better way for you to do things. I think that's leadership. Yeah. Yeah. I've really thought a lot about leadership. We, It's interesting because with the horses, leadership is a big thing because they, um, that's how they communicate. So there's a lead mare in the herd. Right. And every, the lead mare moves the other horse's feet and she's the leader. So she, the horse, if you're moving the other, if the horse's foot, the other horse's, if you're moving the horse's feet, then technically 
you get the leadership status. Okay. And so horses, horses, when you're working with a horse, they're constantly vying for leadership all the time. It's always uh, who's going to be the leader, me or you, because there always has to be a leader. There has to be okay. all the time. So it's interesting. But it's something with people that I think about a lot. And um, I don't I don't think I have a definition for it, although yours was very, very good. Mm. And I think that's close. But I just made it up. Yeah, it's really good. <laughs> it's always evolving for me, right? When I, when I first started thinking, okay, I'd like to be some kind of a leader. Like, what would that look like? What would that be? And the less I thought about that and the more I just kept moving forward, yeah. just kept moving forward and sharing what's working and moving forward and sharing what's working and then not always moving forward because sometimes you go backwards yeah. and uh, still sharing what's working. Um, then I think I got a better feeling for what leadership was than I think I ever had before. One of my pastors has said to me, he goes, if you want a bigger house and a better car and a better business and, and you know, you want all these things out of life, don't ask for those. Ask for the character to handle them. Yeah, so good. That, and, and that's what I think leadership is, right? It's always developing that better character. It's always having that giving heart, that giving attitude. There's this great meme where it said a boss is like whipping everybody. Like you see the little right. picture and uh, a leader is out there rowing the boat um, and showing them how to do it well. Yes. Um, so those things stick out in my mind that I don't want to be the guy standing on top of the hill by myself. Yeah, so I true. love having the team of 20 people around oh, Teamwork me. is the best. It, it's, it's hard to get everybody on board yeah. all the time, but if you can get the majority on board a majority of the time, you can do great things. Which is the coolest. Yeah. Right? That's all we, uh, well, I shouldn't say that's all we want to do, but it seems like that's all we should be doing. Yeah. Just being the greatest and the best and trying to make things better all the time if we can, right? There's so many people I think that are, and I'm not sure why. So I struggle with people that don't want to be better. Me too. That I, I, I have no patience for it. Punch <laughs> them in the face. Right? I'm so angry <laughs> at people like that. Like, how come you're not changing that? Like, right. this is not work. I've seen it not work in you. Yes. Why are you doing this? Yes. And uh, I think that's part of leadership too, is recognizing that. And like, how can I get that person to do that without making them feel bad, without making the situation worse, or without having a power play and a, or a walk away, right? Like, yeah. how do I bring this person up even if they don't want to? Right. That's, I think... The uh, maybe a better definition of leadership. Horses get stuck. So they literally get stuck. You you cannot make them go forward. They'll get stuck. Yeah. And that when I see that same sort of stuckness in a horse, that when I see it in a person, yeah. it just you just want to shake them. Like, I come know. on, you are so much better. You can do so much more. Just get going. Yeah. Yeah. Repeating mistakes. I think that is probably my biggest pet peeve because I've done it so much that when I see it in other people, that's, I'm like, dude, don't. Don't just so that used to be something that held me back. Okay. I almost couldn't move forward because I was so afraid. Once I've made a bad mistake, yeah. I almost could not move forward because I did not want to make the same mistake again. Right? Yeah, that was huge for me. But I had to. I had to. And so when my marriage ended, part of me not ever dating. I'm past that now. That's not why I'm dating anymore, <laughs> or I'm not dating anymore. But part of that for a while was like. I cannot make this mistake again yeah. because what about those people that end up married and divorced four times? Like that's horrendous. Nobody <laughs> wants that title. I don't want that title. <laughs> yeah. So, um, and then uh, that was my originally why I wasn't dating. And then I realized that actually not dating is actually kind of okay too. It and is. <laughs> so now here I am still not dating, but um, I had to really kind of figure out that for myself personally, anyways, um, in order to overcome those emotions against other people is that for me, change is hard. Yeah. It's hard to make a change and I struggle and I want to and I am learning and I'm doing all I can and it's hard to change myself. So 
I get that that's the same for everybody, right? That's the same. And for me, making the same mistake twice, it's never quite the same mistake twice. So you you make that mistake once and then sometimes there's a whole... It's the same thing happening, but you can't see it because it's coming in a different package. Yeah, yeah. And then you make that mistake maybe again, but there's a different set of circumstances and you're learning and piling up a different lesson and taking off more layers until the next time when it comes along and you maybe make that same mistake again, but you're learning something else until finally all that rubbish clears out and you're like, okay, I get it. I'm not making that mistake again, right? So I really had to think about, because those things were holding me back in my life. Like I was literally paralyzed over not making the same mistake twice. And it's... It's funny, you you see that in relationships so often where, you know, I, I've got a friend just recently got a divorce and he's dating the person he divorced. Yeah, like, I, yeah exactly. nobody wants, what, you don't want to do that. And I can see it and I'm like, really? Like you just <laughs> talked about how horrible the first one was <laughs> and you just dating a girl doing the exact same thing. And I went, how do you not see this? You don't want to be that guy no. saying, hey, stupid, she's right? the exact same as your ex-wife. But yeah, that, and but again, this boils down to... Um, uh, the big rocks first right. and evaluating that stuff that, that got you into that thought process. Right. So totally. if you never evaluate yourself, mm-hmm. you're never going to get that, that change. You're never going to get a different relationship out of it. So, so true. Yeah. And so when you're journaling in the mornings, do you get a lot out of journaling? Is that, is the journaling, which, no, which I is the more? Oh, you hate the journaling. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, really? I like this. If I could have just a microphone and I could talk to somebody about what I just read, that's what I would prefer. And do you do. have like uh, little aha moments and ding dings going on in your head in a conversation? Is that how you're sorting stuff out yeah yeah i very yeah. rarely get it from reading um i very rarely get it uh i get it from listening a lot i'll i'll hear something i'm like what was that and i'll rewind it and then i'll listen mm-hmm. to it like for 10 minutes over and over and over again i'm like i cannot forget this so i get those i can't do that when i'm reading huh. um and then i don't uh i'm i hate writing but i'm practicing in it so even with the the podcast uploads i'm trying to get a better more um descriptive story of the person i'm with or the podcast that went on uh, to be better at writing i'm actually thinking about doing some comedy writing as well um uh, and i know it'll suck at it and i'm gonna put it out anyways for dad jokes jokes. yeah really really bad (laughs) dad jokes um zig ziglar anything worth doing is worth doing poorly until you can do it better yeah i love that um the the podcast is the perfect example of that (laughs) because when we first put it out it wasn't good Mm -hmm. there was nothing good about it uh we've had a bunch that went out that even like had bad technical sound and all that kind of stuff and now we're at the point where like i had uh paul nye i don't know if you know who he is local artist i don't he's a guy doing my tattoos right yes um uh, I recorded a podcast with him and we didn't shut the uh, mics off on the the cameras oh. and it was awful. Oh no. And uh, so we debated for, I don't know, an hour, like, should we, shouldn't we? And like, no, we're at the point now where we need to put out quality. But we did a bunch of crappy ones. We sucked it up. We took the abuse. Yeah. Sometimes it was just us abusing ourselves. <laughs> yes, most uh, of the time. Most of the time. Yeah. Um, but now we're at the point where, like, no, we know how to do this. Just do it better. Yeah. And so we're doing it better. And, and, you know, we're still making mistakes, but we find a way to fix them before they go out now. Um, but, yeah, you, you have to suck at something for a while you before do. you can be good at it. And, yeah. and just don't be afraid. Everyone sucks. <laughs> I think that um, the reason I was asking was uh, I sucked at blogging too when I started, yeah. but writing has been the biggest life-changing experience of my life because it makes you think. Yeah. And it makes you think in, you have to finish the thought when yeah. you're writing it out to sort it through, right? And so it's a little bit even more so when you're 
accountable and showing up for other people and trying to explain yourself to other people, then you have to make it even more clear. And so it's that sort of, um, I love Steve Jobs and how he made everything Mm. so simple and and how simple is so hard, (laughs) but it's such a worthy goal, right? And so when you can take what's in your head and make it simple and put it on paper so that other people can respond and relate and and connect with it, boy, that's a huge journey and it has changed me more than anything. Yeah. So I was wondering if you're getting the same thing from your journaling. Not yet. I'm I'm just working on it. The the journaling, I do very, very little of it. Um, uh, Practicing for the podcast writing, uh, wanting to, I have two ideas for books that have been in my head for like 15 years. And I'm like, I should write. I'm like, oh yeah, you don't know how to type or write very good. So, <laughs> so you know what, what you'll learn just by having to sort out your thoughts in order to write the book is yeah. that would, that would be, a, even if you never publish it, that would be the biggest gift for you ever. Yeah. It's amazing. Andy Casale was a guest we had on here. He's a, te- a local teacher, but he's had, uh, um, like he reads a book every two days. Um, oh, wow. I wish I had the time for that. He just is, I think he, like he literally, it's like two pages, two oh, pages. He's, like he's just he's super fast reader. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but he also writes and I said, oh, you know, are you publishing a book? He goes, no, I wrote a book. I edited it for two years and then they throw it out. <laughs> what? All that work and just gonna he goes, Yeah, it's not very good. I'm like, just put it out anyways. Like yeah. just put it out. And so I don't know if he's going to or not going to, but he's like, I'm definitely not putting any more effort into that book. Uh Jordan Peterson's first book is um uh shoot, I can't remember the name of it right now. But he spent ten years writing his first book. He literally broke down every paragraph every sentence and every word to make sure it was perfectly written in there and put it out. It's a great book. Um, it's very, very challenging to read. It gives you a lot of like massively um, technical information. Oh, yeah, but um, yeah, well, there's Eric digging into Jordan Peterson's first book. Nice. Um, did you find I it? I think you did great. Maps of Meaning. I remembered it before you got to it. Um, but yeah, he said he, he, um, he toiled over it for 10 years before Mm -hmm. he released it to anybody. And I think there's power in that too, right? Like to, to be that artist that is not letting go of the painting until it's perfect or Mm -hmm. to the sculpture until it's perfect. Well, all what you, what you have to deal with on the inside in order to, to show that part of you, right? Yeah. Because that's that's what's on the inside and it's coming out and you're sharing it with the world and it's that's hard. It's yeah, hard it until is. you actually get used to it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Paul and Jamie, a couple of guests that I've had on here are artists and I think it's so powerful to see artists do that because the whole purpose of art is to be judged. Yes. Right? Like yes. you're going, this is me, how do you feel about it? Yes. And um, that has to be the most terrifying thing ever. But how many artists do you know that are just like these really down-to-earth great people? Right. And that's the reason why. Absolutely, because they figured out how to get what's on the inside out. Yeah. And they also figure out um, through blogging, as I was reading a lot about artists and art and trying to figure out how to show up even myself, um, a lot of that is people interpret what your art is. So you're doing it one way, but somebody else takes it and it's a completely different interpretation, right? right. We, we know that when people write something, two people read it and get, take something totally different out yeah. of it. And so you learn not to be attached to other people's opinions of it because what their opinion is and what their judgment is and what they are seeing in it is about them. It's not actually about you and your art. Right. And you begin to sort of figure that out. Yeah. And there's been actually sometimes on my blog, you have done it to me, probably a couple times where I've written something and I've really been struggling with something and I'm writing it out and you'll come in with a completely different perspective and with 
three sentences completely changed my whole mind about something. That's all I can write is three sentences. <laughs> it's great. <laughs> <laughs> so sometimes that's really beneficial too, to have other eyes on it because they are seeing it from a different worldview and that really yeah. helps. How many people do you think, uh, the only reason I'm asking this is because a lot of what I do is just putting out what I've heard someone else say or do. There's yeah. not a lot of original thoughts. But you see people like Elon Musk or Jordan Peterson, or, and I'm sure you have lots of uh, authors that you listen to that are all original thoughts. I, I actually th- don't think so. You don't think so? I don't think anybody's original anymore. I think it's all been said. Yeah. Probably the Bible said it all. We're all just now <laughs> interpreting it in our own ways and saying it in our own ways. But I think it's, I don't, I can't see how anything is new. original Yeah, anymore. I don't think so. We're all just taking, we all have different life experiences and different connections and we see it different ways and we're seeing it from a different point of view and we're seeing it whatever. But I think we're all saying the same thing and, and somebody hears me differently than they hear somebody else and that resonates. Right. Or somebody has a similar worldview as me and then they hear it differently or yeah. they've heard it something else before, but the way I said it helped bring the pieces all together or whatever. That's all I think is happening. I I'm like genuine. that. Maybe Makes me feel less dumb. <laughs> well, you're really good at helping me. Well, you've been really good at helping me see what I'm trying to say. So I think that you're cool. Yeah, I we should do good. this more often. Yeah, I enjoy having a conversation with you. Thanks. Yeah, awesome. it's great. Yeah. Oh, I think we're almost two hours in. Oh wow, that went fast. Hour forty minutes. Is there anything we're missing? Is there anything else you want to share? Nope, I don't think so. Well, I I would like to give you a little challenge. Okay. So when you do your journaling in the morning, maybe write it for your wife or write it for somebody so that you have to hand it over so that you have to finish what you're thinking. There's actually, that's part of the program. So whatever Bible study you're doing, you can invite people to do the study and they can see what you write. Mm. Um, So yeah, I I didn't invite some people to some of the ones that I've done. I kept it very personal. Uh, But yeah, I need to to share more of those. Only because when you're explaining it that way, you have to think your way through it. And that, that changes your brain it yeah, changes it your brain waves totally so i had a, a very young member of our church i think he's six invite me to a, oh, a bible cool. study and uh so i haven't started it yet but uh for little emerson i think i'll share those feelings very with him, cool. see what he can uh, what he can come up with as yeah. well yeah so yeah good all right well all right. we'll call that a show eric uh well everyone thank you thank you for listening thank you for sharing and uh, eric you can go to outro Hey everyone, thank you for listening, thank you for sharing, this podcast is over.